at the end of the day, we get blinded by the process, by the structure, by, well, this is how we do things, and we lose sight of the most important thing, and that is how do we create better outcomes. Welcome to Built Different, a podcast featuring teams, technology, and trendsetters who are changing the way that we build. I'm Grant Hagen. And I'm Brian Mizzarella. And we welcome you to join a community obsessed with questioning the status quo, creating cultures of innovation, and equipping everyone with powerful tools to quite simply build different. Well, welcome into the Built Different Podcast. I am Grant Hagen, joined by Brian Vizzaretta. We could not be more excited that you guys joined us here on episode one. We have an amazing slot of just opportunities from conversations that we got to have. Our first few set of episodes were recorded from a construction conference here last year, which was just an amazing opportunity to get folks to come by our booth to talk about really all sorts of different technology. Brian, what excites you most about some of these conversations that we got to have with folks? I mean, look, we, we talked about everything from implementation strategy all the way to new tech on the horizon that are a couple of years out. Uh, I'm just really happy we just got it all on audio. I mean, these conferences, you always have such good conversations and, you know, it, how do you document that? Uh, and that's kind of what we're here to do. Yeah. And that's a big part of what we're trying to do here at Built Different is really connect you guys with individuals and folks that you may not have an opportunity to connect with outside of your project or your team uh, or the region that you're in. And so these are just really great opportunities to connect with folks individually uh, on on the conference floor in person. And it was just a really great opportunity to do that. And so we could not be more excited to get these episodes in front of you. And so without further ado, we're going to take it to New Orleans from the Procore Groundbreak Conference. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Well, welcome into the Built Different Podcast brought to you by Drone Deploy and Instruction Site. Holy cow, what a fun time this is gonna be. Two of truly, I don't even, I feel like even calling you guys colleagues in the industry is just not enough. Friends, mentors, Absolutely. I, where do I go with this here? Joined with Brian V, BV. Yes, sir. Man, this is gonna be a lot of fun. Todd, thank you for coming in. This Grant, is super fun. Pleasure, Chris, man. man. Where, where do we start? I don't know, man. Thanks for having me. The us. fact that we yeah. wrangled you guys to hop on here, I I, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, you flatter us, man. Well, We're excited to be here. If you guys are ever in the Dallas area, you got to come talk with our friends over at Rogers O'Brien. Super fun. Chris, Todd, thank you guys. Thank you, Grant. It's going to be great. Yeah, shout out to whoever's listening. Come see us. Come on. We, we let's make it happen. We want to collaborate. Some friends in Dallas, but this is going to be a great time. So first, just to kind of give the, the listeners in a little background, would love for you guys to just kind of talk a little bit about yourself just for the viewers that nice. are listening. Gosh, where to start? So uh, came from operations, was building big, beautiful buildings across Texas years ago. But Grant, as you know, just the passion for technology at I mean, I was the guy in college modding his Xbox to beat his friends at Halo, right? <laughs> Always looking for that competitive that advantage guy. to win. Oh, that yeah. Guy. No, you guys hated me. Yeah. But when I entered the, the workforce in construction, it was just like, whoa, whoa, we're still doing things the way that the Egyptians did it. <laughs> I mean, but it was, it's, it was papyrus, right? Not 30 by 42 inch sheets of paper and... And, uh, maybe they had 30 by 42 papyrus. Maybe they did. I don't know. It's a good question. But <laughs> so, no, it was, it then became just more on that mission of like, wait a second, there's a better way. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, I got got into the VDC, the BIM side, digital documents, mobile technology. And, and yeah, I got to move over to RO. And that's where luckily we have some amazing leadership that uh, also believes in a better way and then kind of 
Gosh, the rest is history, Grant. I can't believe you summarized from what I know of you in like 30 seconds, which is impressive. <laughs> there, there's a lot of chapters in between there to talk about, which we'll get into. But yeah, great summary. That, that's good. Chris, that's give, us a, give us a little bit of background. Yeah, so I guess mine's a, mine's a little different. So I've been in industry about 17 years. I started in architecture. So I've always been a, a, a tech-focused, tech-friendly, tech enthusiast throughout my life, probably. I was, you know, the kid breaking Nintendos and blowing in the old school Nintendo 64s <laughs> and, you know, trying to get those things to work all the time. But I actually had a passion around collaboration and around design. And so my career took me that way. And then I got an opportunity to work for, for a general contractor. And I, and I got brought on board and they, they knew my background and they knew some of my <laughs> capabilities. And they're like, hey, what about this BIM thing that architects are using? Can you help us figure that out? And so that kind of started my BIM BDC world, you know, and, you know, did that for a long time. And, you know, I knew Todd in industry for, gosh, I don't even know how long, Balfour Beatty probably days. I still yeah, have your back. business card from Balfour Beatty. <laughs> and so I knew Todd, I knew a couple other folks at Rogers O'Brien, and we'd been talking for a while and, you know, stars aligned a little over a year ago. And, yeah. You know, I knew, I knew Justin McAfee, you know, our great leader. And, you know, I knew that, like you said, the enthusiasm and the passionate RO for finding better ways and, you know, a real focus on process and technology. And so, you know, I got super excited a year ago and, you know, kind of joined forces and here we are today. Come yeah, on. I, don't, I don't know if Chris knows how excited I was when he said, yes, I'll, I was like, <laughs> come join SEAL Team 6, man. <laughs> SEAL Let's Team go. 6, man. So just, just from a landscape perspective, so Todd, your role is... Yeah, lead innovation for all of Rogers O'Brien. Okay, and Chris, your role is? A director of VDC. Okay, perfect. So that's really the topic I would love for us to dive into. We've been talking to just a ton of folks on a whole host of topics. I mean, Brian, give us like some of the best of the best that we've gotten to chat through. I mean, we talked about bottom-up versus top-down mm. technology implementation, about data governance, right? Like it's not just about, you know, inputting data, making sure it's all the same, making sure it's actually getting entered, right? Like... I guess we can go any direction right, yeah. from, right from here, right? Yeah, and I think the exciting thing that I've really just been encouraged by the two of y'all in just the many years that we've gotten to know each other and seeing it from afar also in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is just how do you build different teams? How, mm -hmm. do you, how do you take the approach of building teams differently? And so I think for a lot of us and, and a lot of the listeners that are on here, there, there is no rinse and repeat, copy paste, one size fits all. But I think there is a lot of just things that I've been encouraged by and tactics that you guys have used uh, really just even recently of how you're going about saying, hey, who are the right people that we need on this team? Not only from just a personality and talent perspective, but also really just like a cultural fit of, hey, all these different things need to eventually cross and collaborate with each other. But that at an organizational level has to happen. In, yes. in some way. We all work in organizations and have structure under that, but would love to camp out there and, and just talk through some of that stuff and whew, who better people. Th this is going to be a really, really fun topic. A lot of times we get really, we let our assumptions control our thinking and, and constrain the opportunity to actually think differently. So one thing that we've been doing and putting a very deliberate, intentional focus at RO the last year and a half is innovating at the org structure. And that's something that I, I really think it's very innovative. We're always talking about innovation and technology around tools, process, but I don't think we do a good enough job of challenging, are we even organized correctly to be able to capitalize on all the opportunity that now exists? Right, like do all the tasks of a project engineer need to be done by that project engineer? Right. Or could 
part, you know, portion of those submittal process be outsourced to somebody, you know, in an office remotely. Like, let, let's talk, let's get into that. Brian, it's time to question Holy everything. Yeah. Buckle up, baby. I would even go one step back. What is the role of a project engineer? Yeah, yes. not just what are the things that they should do, don't do. How do we best do it? It's what is actually the role of a project engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we've we've taken a hard look at that, and I think that's where a lot of, especially larger companies, because they have to have a structure to kind of maintain some level of organization, right? But I think they get stuck in that structure, in in their mind, in their thinking, in those constraints, and and you got to take a moment and step back and say, are we organized the best way to? bring value to support to benefit this company yeah to create and, the mm -hmm. best outcomes right. right at the end of the day we get blinded by the process by the structure by well this is how we do things and we lose sight of the most important thing and that is how do we create better outcomes the hard right? part it's not the sexy topic i mean no. let, let's just Talk Absolutely. about that for a second. I'm actually right? going to say it is a sexy topic. I love talking about <laughs> yeah. strategy you know, structure. Chris has got something. Yeah. I think it's going to become one. Yeah, it, yeah. it really for sure but needs to right. be. But you're right. Traditionally, yeah. it hasn't. Yeah. Traditionally, most people don't really spend a lot of time there. But why well, is yeah. that? Like, it, it's so impactful. Yeah. I mean, think you think about people leaving jobs, starting mm -hmm. jobs, attracted to jobs, yeah. performing well in jobs. Like, structure has its place in it. In, totally. in, in levels of structure, for sure. We could camp there for a long yeah. time. But, like, it it's important, and it's kind of the undercurrent that you don't realize is really driving the company that you're in. Can I can I give a specific example so that we take the audience, like, down into the weeds well, of what, we, what we mean by yeah. this? So something that we, I mean, just really recently that's been real pivotal in and really eye-opening in, in giving us more confidence in speaking towards, hey, are we structured correctly? One example is, you know, we've heard all this talk throughout the last five, I don't know how many years you we've been talking about data and being able to learn from data. I mean, I think we can all agree that experience-based decision-making has taken our industry as far as it can go, right? And I, I mean, our entire industry is built on experience and that's great. That's why we attribute the best builders with age, right? But now we're entering this time where we have the ability to supplement situational data, historical data. Is that material on site? Is that person on site? We, when we supplement that, it changes the way that we can then make database decisions. Now, when we started going down that path, we started building these dashboards and we started, and we started realizing, wait a second, Nothing is showing up the way we thought it would. And this is where we then realize, well, wait a second, it's because, and you're going to have to bleep me if I say, I, wait, it's, wait, what, what is uh, it whenever uh, you put some, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Go for it, go for it, go for it. It's shit in, shit out. I mean, it really is. You know, one thing I don't think companies are taking a hard enough look at right now, and this is where, yeah, I, I feel compelled to share this. You have to, I, I did a talk on this yesterday, you have to align a process strategy aligned with a data strategy. And it's so hard for companies to do that because the way they're organized. Think of who defines process for operations. It's usually in operations. But one thing we've done at Rogers O'Brien is we've now pulled, we created a new department called Operational Excellence that owns process, the RO way of doing things. And we've now put that leader under the same umbrella as the director of IT. And now those two leaders are meeting bi-weekly to talk about the hypotheses of, okay, 
if we're gonna build this dashboard so that we can start looking at these KPIs that we hypothesize are gonna be leading indicators to help us make better decisions, well, we have to influence the process on how the data is being collected so that we can report on it correctly. And that's, I think, what, that's what an example, sorry for the long-winded example, but that's an example of, I don't think we can capitalize on the opportunities that technology has presented us unless we first take a look at the foundation of our people. Part of it is getting the right people on the bus for your vision. Yeah. But I, you know, I think it's, it really lies within being able to identify strengths to carry your vision. Desired outcomes. Yeah. I keep, I'm going to keep coming back to that. Like you asked, where do we get started? Yeah. Yeah. What outcomes are you trying to achieve? Right. That's where it should always come back to. Great. You asked the question, why don't other companies spend more time at the org level? At the org level. Yeah. Yeah. I I think Mm -hmm. it's a human, it's a human condition that we, we like consistency yes. we like knowing outcomes and known outcomes and and staying consistent in your in your roles and your processes i think it's a comfort level thing and i think there's just a lot of people that can't operate in kind of that unknown let's you know let's try this let's try that world it it you know that's it, it chris i think the, that's that's a big half and the other half is assumptions control our thinking yep. i don't think people assume that's possible to change it's the way it is that's set in stone. And, and, yeah. and, you, and if you're going to make a change like that, you know, you can't just go off conviction. Right. No. You, you, you need something because at yes. the end of the day, like, you know, if you keep things the way they are and things don't go well, mm-hmm. it's not the same as if you change something and things don't go initially as well right. as you want them to. Absolutely, Brian. And Ooh. that's why, you know, one thing that we've really been trying to do at Rogers O'Brien is we've been trying to create a learning culture. And that's a, that's a completely mindset. That's a shift of mindset, but especially in construction, it's hard to, lessons learned are costly in our industry, right? But we also know that the most innovative companies in the world are the ones that learn the fastest. So we wanna be more of an innovative industry. We wanna be an innovative builder. Well, then we first have to start with what creates the environment for innovation. And that is rapid learning, the most, we know that our most valuable asset is our people, right? The right people in our company. And, and that's important too, by the way. It's, I, I always hear people say our most valuable asset is our people. Well, it's the right people. Mm. That is your most valuable asset. And then the second is their speed of learning. Get us down to a level of like, what does that mean? Yeah, it means, like- it means, it means changing the min- mindset of win-lose, you know, Chris and his department didn't meet his objectives. He, he didn't win. First, we got to start with a mentality that actually has been thriving on our job sites for years, which is we win together, we lose together. We're a team, we're com- we have camaraderie. But also it's that, you know, I, there's a famous quote, I can't remember who said it, but I think it was Nelson Mandela. I, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And when you start with that m- mentality and you think, it, what it does is it creates, there's a, there's a new buzzword that you're hearing more and more. It's a, it creates psychological safety. And when we have psychological safety, we can then actually lean in to questioning the assumptions that control our thinking. It, it allows us to say, hey, what is the role of a project engineer? And what was, what was the value of it yesterday? What's the value of it today? And what could it look like tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So you got to have that open learning mindset 
And when you go to the learning side, like give, give us some tangible examples. I, I yeah, know I them. got one. I know yeah, them, go ahead. But, yeah. I'll give you a recent one. And, and this, the outcome of the <laughs> mindset of what you hear from the superintendent is what we're striving for. Mm. So we recently this summer, we had a company's robot on our job site. And we were trying to do more than just a demo. We were trying to actually execute work with it. And so we had, we had the superintendent engaged. We had everything right. And the Dallas summer heat just uh, on, affected us, right? <laughs> so, it, so it failed. But in, you know, if you didn't have a learning culture, the attitude would be like, we're never doing that again. Exactly. Don't bring that on my job site. But the superintendent's reaction was more, what did we learn and what are we going to try next? Exactly. And that's kind of a, that, that's, I think, that's exactly is that, it, is that a Chris, basic example? That is a okay. perfect example of a learning culture. We know that when those failures, those learnings occur, that's the price of admission to innovation. Hey, real quick, guys, as we take a quick pause here from the episode, if you can think about how you found this podcast, either through someone tweeting about it, sharing it, or saying it over to you, we know that the only way that we can grow this community is through word of mouth. Look, if you heard something that you thought was insightful or you thought of somebody while you were listening, be sure to share it with them. You know, we, we're trying to build a community here and the only way we can do that is by everybody getting involved. Yeah, the reason that we created this podcast was to connect teams and individuals in a really disconnected industry. We hope that you can help us in that journey. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get back into it. An interesting topic there, right? So you are supported at the executive level to test things out and also learn from top them, down, right? There are other people who may be listening, who may be the only person at their company. Yes. And before they could buy a product, they have to, A, map out the return of investment. Mm -hmm. Maybe are they going to make money? Been there. Are their hours going to be billable to a project? Yep. Are right? we like, going to pay like, for it? Like, let's get into it. That, that is not a psychological safety net. You have, like, you either make this mark or you're not getting a budget again yeah, to do this. Yeah, it's absolutist. It's, it either is wildly successful or we're not going to do it again and we're going to lose trust in you. And we're also going to ostracize you where you're not going to feel that you have the confidence to be creative again. And, and here's what I would say to those people, Brian, is first, you got to have that sense of urgency in the company. I don't know if you've ever read John Cotter's Steps to Organizational Change, but it was an amazing Harvard Business Review from years, many years ago, but I've used it in my career and it's worked very successfully. And just the first two steps are this simple, build a sense of urgency and then build a guiding coalition. And for those individuals, I mean, I've had a couple at the conference come up to me and say, hey, I don't wanna do what you guys are doing. I'm the only one in my company though, that's really pushing this. And you know what I tell them? I say, you gotta be able to build that coalition. You gotta be able to align with someone else. And if you can't, then you gotta find another company. And that's the truth, guys. Here's the thing. There's an arms race right now occurring. We're looking for people with that mindset. And there are other innovative companies that are looking for people with that mindset. There are companies that you can go thrive at. If you're at one right now where you're not getting to thrive, they're out there. Come find us. We're hiring. I mean, here goes Brian. I know, I know Grant's inbox kind of probably looks similar to mine. Like it's like, Hey, I currently work in the construction company. What other companies are using technology that I should be looking at? Yes. About potentially moving. They're here at this conference right now. Exactly. I can tell you right now, Rogers O'Brien, we, we pride ourselves on trying to practice to always be the tip of the spear edge of the knife. But I can tell you right now, there's a dozen other companies that I know of that are absolutely cut from the same cloth. So they're not unicorns. You got to get out, come 
I mean, Groundbreak's a great place. There's other industry events, but network. I'd say some advice, because you, you have other people on, on that topic that are passionate about the companies that they work for, and they want to see them transform, right? They have a passion to transform that company. And, and for me, you know, I, I've had that experience in my past. My advice is, you know, find, don't, don't flip the switch. Don't take the big swing, right? Find the little, find the one person that you can help with something and just start stacking those Legos. Now it's a longer road. It takes time. It's organic, but start stacking those Legos. I think mm -hmm. people try to take big swings at things mm -hmm. and miss and it just knocks them back yeah, faster. The, 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 we call it the grand, the grand slam approach. It's right. like, hey, don't go swinging for the fences when you're up. I exactly. mean, like, runs are scored with people on base. Yeah. And like, That's great advice, Get on Chris. first, steal second. And, right? and you know, <laughs> what you're saying is, you're you're saying try and, and you know, the enemy of a great idea is five good ideas. Don't don't try to do five things. Like focus on one problem your company has. And if you don't know what that problem is, go and ask. Say, I'll tell you all my favorite question. Chris is probably going to roll his eyes because he hears it so much. But this question can be so powerful to a company, to a department, to a team, to you as an individual in your life. And it's as simple as this. If everything remains the same, what's the one thing that we could do that would have the largest impact. Now that's a really, that's a really big lens to try to look through. But I tell you right now, if you can put the focus in, it's almost like March Madness, right? You're going to come up with a list of ideas, and then you got to start putting them head to head. And I promise you, if you do that exercise, there will be one that slightly outweighs the other, and then you put it head to head with something else. And when you get it down, and and I'm not saying get it down to three, get it down to one and go focus on trying to make an impact on that. I, I, wanna, I wanna stay there for a second because what if you have an idea and you think that that idea is mm. an amazing idea mm. and that idea isn't met with the same excitement from other individuals, other people in the organization, but you are convinced and you're like, well, I'm hearing Chris and, or I'm hearing both of you guys saying, hey, like maybe I'm not in the right spot. Like I, I believe in this idea firmly. How how would you how would you encourage someone in that environment? Yeah, Chris, you, I'm trying to share the air here. Yeah, no, I, I would say first step is is that person with the idea. They they also have to be open yeah. to that feedback. Yeah. They have to look at it from a different lens. They have to understand <clears throat> why they're getting that feedback first. But if it's if it's a uh, if it's just met with a, a blank, like, well, we just don't do that or mm. we're not going to do that for no reason, then mm. maybe, you, maybe you aren't in the right place. It's such a complex question, and here's why. Because on one side, being a team player is being able to not fall in love with your personal ideas and to really release yourself to the best idea wins mindset. And if you come into a team and say, hey, let's leave our egos at the door, best idea wins. What, what that can really do is allow a team to align around, hey, I'm going to win some as an individual, and then I'm going to lose some as an individual. But as a team, we're going to use data to drive the decision on why that's the best idea. So that's one side of it. But the reason why I say this is such a complex question is there's the other side where <sighs> some ideas are automobiles and not faster horses, right? And there's sometimes there are the dreamers, there are the the innovators that see something that isn't fully painted for everyone else yet. Right. And if you ever have that conviction that you have one of those ideas, then 
you have to personally make a choice. You got to make the choice of, is this something I want to pursue that I so passionately have belief and conviction towards seeing if this is truly the future? And if it is, you got to go for it. You got to scratch that itch or you'll live in regret never trying. But really, when it comes back to trying to convince teams on, hey, we need to do this, I, I always ask when Chris or someone else on the team says, we have to do this, I say, what evidence do you have to support it? Yeah. Like, we can't just base things on, like, I think this is a great idea. It's got to be driven by some sort of qualitative, quantitative data. Yeah. To the organizational side of it, when you guys are obviously talking to Justin and saying, hey, this is our, this is our thought, this is our idea. Our we, fearless leader, yeah, we, Justin. We, we, I don't we, know if we, they know that. Yeah, yeah, totally. We, we want to kind of take an opportunity to really evaluate what this should be. Mm. He obviously knows you guys well, high relational equity with, and, and can trust that's a great decision. What, were there any reservations? Could, you know, it's so interesting. It's so similar to the way that trust is built between any relationship, right? It takes time. And the, 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 the trust and belief that Justin has in Chris and myself, that wasn't earned overnight, right? That was earned with a lot of learnings along the way. And, and we don't go to Justin and say, hey, we want to do this. Trust us. We don't operate that way. We go to him and we say, hey, based on what we're starting to find in these areas, we, we try to back it with some qualitative or quantitative data and yeah. examples of that. Like qualitative is, you know, just a one-on-one -on -one interview with a superintendent. Would this make your life better? I think back in like 2012, just on, I remember I stood in front of the executive leadership and said, we have to buy everyone in the company an iPad. And they looked at me like I was insane. Like, what? Do you know how much money that is? Yes. Yes. And what I did, very similar, Brian, was to show how much time our people were having to walk back and forth from the trailer to the job site just to answer a simple question that could now be in the palm of their hand. And, and Justin doesn't know, into the future, eight years, Todd and team are at Apple's headquarters talking about technology and construction. It's, it's been mean, a huge honor and opportunity to get to work with Apple and partner with them to help move the industry forward. I, I really, you know, it's funny when the iPad even came out, if you think about it, we now have lots of varieties of different multi-gesture driven interfaces. But when the iPad came out, I remember in the news, everyone's making fun of it. Like, oh, it's a big iPhone next to your head, <laughs> big piece of toast. And it was, I was sitting there going, whoa, wait a second. Like, this is the first multi-gesture driven device that we can actually we can put our drawings on. I mean, before that, we were implementing, you know, Panasonic Toughbooks, motion tablets that were real big in the healthcare industry, but these were two, $3,000 devices. It wasn't scalable. And the biggest thing was the interface was not designed for a deskless worker. It was running Windows XP, yeah. right? It was intended for a mouse and a keyboard. And so, yeah, it's interesting. I want to talk about that, like, let's, let's, let's stay there for a second, right? Like yeah. that feedback loop, right? Mm -hmm. Like that qualitative data. How are you capturing those qualitative insights, you know, from not just technology, but in general? So this year, we launched the RO Innovation Station. It's powered by PlanBox. There's a variety of different innovation, ideation solutions out there. And we, um, we uh, shout out to PlanBox. We, we ended up actually, Hype Innovation and PlanBox were the two that we came down to. And 
what we didn't want it to become was just a glorified suggestion box where people were submitting ideas and it just, they never went anywhere. So what we did was we stole like an artist and took some innovation through inspiration from the software industry. How does Procore, we're at ground breaks, so we'll use them as example, or Drone Deploy for better yet, we're on y'all's podcast. How does Drone Deploy determine what feature to put in next? We know that you have a pipeline and there's a bottleneck of resource and time. So how is it determined what goes next? Well, there's some real cool methodologies that are used. One is called the rice model. It measures not just impact or effort. It also measures something we were never measuring, which is reach. Is it? Is it, it is an acronym, right? It's yeah. an acronym. Okay. It was uh, so reach, impact, cost. R- no, confidence, confidence and effort. Sorry. So essentially, if you ever heard of Intercom, they developed the p- plugin that many. I mean, I think Drone Deploy might even be a customer. Maybe it's the little pop up at the bottom. Oh yeah, of every of browser that yeah. says, "Hey, can I assist you?" That that company, Intercom. They're famous for developing some of the best product managers and software, and they they have a really cool article. You can just Google Rice model. There's an intercom article that'll walk you through the whole thing. But we took, so when people are suggesting these ideas to the innovation station, they we have what we can measure a level of engagement, right? How many upvotes people are putting their personal brand or endorsement towards an idea. That's one level of measurement. Also comments on it, like, yes, this idea would be killer. It would save me so much time. We actually have a weighted value for a comment versus an upvote versus just just a view. Even engaging with an idea, if they are willing to open it, someone else in the company and read it, we take that, that counts as one point. Hmm. And we've created a point scale. And then we also correlate <clears throat> that with a rice model. And what the rice hmm. is, it's measuring reach. And that's something we were never measuring. We'd be saying, oh, this idea is going to be so valuable. Yeah, but it only touches 10 people in the company. We want to focus on the ideas that are going to create the largest impact for the most people in the company, and that also come at the cost of the lowest amount of effort. That's what we call the most valuable low-hanging fruit, right? So it's a different way of thinking. So definitely go read Rice Model Intercom, but it's created a methodology for us now to where we have made the entire RO innovation roadmap, it's public to the company. We're completely transparent and they can see how to affect and move their idea up. And how, how has that impacted the culture? I mean, obviously you guys are, are known for being an innovative culture and, and- Practice, we're never done practice to yeah. be an innovative culture. How has that, that really impacted or how have you guys seen the impact and the feedback from folks that are engaging with that content. I mean, I can imagine it's not just one department, one individual, like I'm thinking of like a forum board of like the one guy that or the one gal that's always on there, but like the reach that it has into these other departments. It's still early, Grant. I mean, we launched this in Q2 of this year. Right now, one of the biggest focuses has been taking these ideas from ideation to value realization. And I mean, there's skeptics in the company still, right? Because companies have had ways to suggest an idea to make it better. And that's where it really comes down to the action, right? Are we doing it? Are we making things better? So we have a lot of people, we have certain cohorts in the company where it's like, yes, I love this. And then we, it's just like any adoption curve you see. You have these early adopters and they're on there and they're engaging, submitting some great ideas. Then you have some of the people that are more reserved. And to be honest, it's more of the largest cohort, which is that proven case study. Like 
show me that this is going to work and I'm in. And then you have those refusers that are like, ah, that'll never work. And those, those, uh, we don't put that much effort into. We, I mean, they're, 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 uh, they're smart people. They've been in the industry a long time. They know what they're doing and it has to click for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead, we have to highlight those values. One of the, the key word you used, I think you talk about culture and how it shifts culture a little bit is transparency. I think yes, a lot of companies have apparatuses like this, suggestion mm-hmm. boxes, things, but they, you know, the ones that we can't work on everything all the time. So uh, when those things go into dark holes and nobody understands what's happening with them, they can't see that maybe it's not the top priority. It's, yeah, it's well right said. below it. You know, they kind of lose momentum. They lose engagement. They, they don't, they don't believe in, yeah. in this process. And mm-hmm. so we've seen that from the tool. I think people having an eye, understanding, great, I, I had a good idea, but these are three other great ideas that I think, you know, well, I can the time see that my idea is only going to touch 12 right. people. And by the way, we've, this is something that's really cool. We just launched this new capability to where people can appeal a score mm. because they might have data that we didn't have whenever the committee was putting the score in place. So we're even trying to make it where you can influence your idea to go higher. If, mm. if, if we're, if we didn't have all the information available when this was scored correctly, help us. Best idea wins. And what, what that does is it just, that transparency, it's kind of like, it, there, it's no personal agendas that are driving what we're focused and investing on next. Instead, it goes back to just leave the egos at the door, release yourself to best idea wins. Brian was asking, you know, how do we get that feedback? One of the things ah. that we're starting to see on the innovation station is that chat. Somebody suggesting an idea, somebody building on it with a tweak, mm. or hey, that won't work. We should do it this way. Mm-hmm. And just that building and that Great conversation point. in the chat has been, yeah. you know, it's it, it's that band-aid starting to come off and it's 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 starting to flow a little bit and you're seeing that feedback. And so, you know, it it, it is helping that way in 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 getting that broader feedback so that when something does actually come out of the innovation station and gets what's what's the word in not in process but uh, starts getting worked on you know you have more people aware of it they're they're enthused about it and right. things like that so and yeah there, there's also a- less skepticism on why are we doing this and who is it actually going to benefit like is this just oh, yeah. another thing that i have to fill out so right. you know an upper management can see kind of right. more visibility and yeah. what's going on or is this actually something that's going to save me time you yes. Know, right. The transparency so. is a, a unique <laughs> hidden value here because it, mm-hmm. it really is kind of the magic eraser for a lot of these things that are detractors. Yes. Like, hey, when, when, you could, when you put this thing out there and it is transparent and you're open and you're open sourcing it and crowdsourcing it, it's like hey, you don't really have to worry about some of these things that were problems before that yeah. you didn't have a you know direct solution to. Drama is cl- created when ambiguity exists. When there's clarity and focus, we then have a clear mission on what we're trying to achieve, especially if it's a pure and correct, purposeful mission. Well, guys, this is awesome. I, I mean, we could we could talk on here for hours. All day. I, I, the hope for sure for the folks that are listening in is like, hey, th- there were too many nuggets here to even write down and put into a note section here. But just to be encouraged, I, I think is one thing that we really want folks that are listening in is just saying, hey, if you are in one of those situations, or if you are in a position that you don't feel you are continuing to grow, continuing to learn, like, hey, that that's a great place to start. And there's a lot of opportunities there that you could consider and have an option to to partake in. So well said, man, Chris, this is awesome. Yeah, Todd, no, thank amazing. You for us. Uh, I really great appreciate talk. you guys. 
Uh, just taking the time. This is super fun. For those of you guys that are listening in, appreciate you guys spending the time with us here. Uh, We are going to wrap things up here on the Built Different Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Little jingle, baby. Little jingle. There it's at. Let's get it. Make sure to subscribe to Built Different on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Let's build this community together.